Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. All right. Uh, I guess this is a special edition of the podcast in a way because I traveled all the way to Thailand uh, to bring this podcast to the uh, Gypsy Tales listeners, aka the Gypsy Gang. Um, it was, I guess I'll start by just saying like it was one of the best weeks of my life. So I have been wanting to do a podcast with Lachlan Giles. Um, I guess since I started like watching his content on YouTube, um, he is I guess renowned as one of the best coaches in the world at the moment um, for jiu-jitsu. Uh, he runs a gym in Melbourne called Absolute MMA St. Kilda uh, that has a bunch of really high-level guys train at it, uh, most notably uh, Craig Jones, who is one of the biggest names in uh, grappling and jiu-jitsu in the world. So I started following those guys and then I started watching a lot of Lockie's videos on YouTube um, did the podcast with Ben Hodgkinson, who's also one of his students. And then that, uh, led to me getting in contact with Lockie. Um, long story short, I ended up basically just getting on a plane and going to Thailand for his week long camp. Um, had no real idea what to expect. We talk about it a lot in the podcast. Um, but yeah, ended up having one of the best weeks of my life. I uh, met some guys over there that I think I will be friends with um, for a very, very long time. Uh, it was really cool. We kind of got, uh, got super close with a, a lot of, a lot of great people over there. Um, but yeah, so this podcast, we filmed it at our resort, um, in Thailand just before our last training session, um, of the week. So thought it was pretty cool to, I guess, immerse myself in, um, jujitsu for that week, training under Lockie, and then to do a podcast with him in Thailand. It was pretty amazing. So, um, shout out to Simon from Absolute MMA for helping make this happen, uh, as well as the guys at fightlife.com.au for making it happen. Um, and Lockie and Liv as well. Um, without them, it wouldn't have come together. So I'm really excited to, um, get the opportunity to sit down, talk to Lockie at length, um, just with a lot of the questions I have about jiu-jitsu and uh, I guess sports psychology and, and uh, different ways that, you know, we can learn and, and apply um, apply learning in our lives. So uh, without me talking too much more, uh, Gypsy Tales with Lachlan Giles. Okay, cool. So this is it. That's all it takes to get one of these started. It's on. 
Locked All and right. Giles, we've had a week, mate. We have indeed. It's been very good. <laughs> I haven't had a sip of this yet, so cheers. Cheers. Thank you for, um, guess the invite. Thanks for the coaching. Like it's been, uh, it's honestly been like a, one of the best weeks of my life. I think just in it's terms been really of, good. yeah, just the overall experience, the group of people that came and new friends, and, and I guess that's all without the jujitsu element of it, which is on like a crazy level as well you know yeah yeah I mean I knew the well I, I knew I, th- I thought the campsite would be really like the jiu-jitsu side would be good um, but it's always uh, I haven't actually been to Phuket before properly so I was, I was actually really pleasantly surprised uh, mm. with, with everything yeah around here as well weather's been good people have been amazing um, food's been really really good so mm. everything's been been really good yeah, look, in terms of the food, mate, you have been uh, video blogging <laughs> up a storm. I'm not sure if there's a meal that hasn't been captured. Well, the start of the week, yes, I sort of, that, that died off a bit. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get everything on video. And then uh, and I realized you were here doing a better job of that. So <laughs> it's um, It's been fun. Like we put out a couple of the little Instagram videos and everyone's been like pretty stoked on, on uh, like the whole film inside of it, which is cool because yeah. I, I didn't know, like obviously... I came here with like those goals in mind of like making a badass video but then I was like fuck I really want to get like a lot out of the camp on the jiu-jitsu side as well actually like hasn't been crazy hard to find a a good balance between the two because it's like you're not trying to you're not trying to film every second of every thing but it's almost been just as fun filming like all that kind of carry on like seeing Andrew in the back of that (laughs) to it and you know, going to the the big Buddha and, and the beach and all that kind of stuff. Like it's been, uh, yeah, it's been good. I suppose it's uh, the hard things w- with the training twice a day is is uh, having the energy to go and do too much activities during the mm. day. But it, most of them are pretty like relaxing sort of things. So I've definitely, yeah, yeah. the body is uh, pretty pretty <laughs> done. Like I don't, I don't twice know. Twice a day for six days is pretty. Yeah. yeah, and then you get in the situation where you're like. I'm going to have a pretty easy role today. And then there's just so many cool people from yeah. all over the world. It's like, you just, oh, just like you want to push through to get the most out of it because, you know, guys are going back to Finland. They're going to go back to Estonia. They're going to go back to Japan. Yep. They're going to go back to the US, the UK. Got people from Qatar. Yep. So it's like India. Yep. Like I, I'd had no idea how like diverse the camp would be yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting actually. Um, I suppose for the time of year for me I was like well I was like yeah this is a perfect time of year for Melbourne because Melbourne's yeah. cold <laughs> like get away to to Thailand it's warm but yeah people have come from from everywhere which is awesome and a, a range of skill level as well you know so a lot of there's, there's a few white belts blue purple brown and then there's uh, even live for a black belt as well so yeah, yeah. there's um yeah it's a real mix so you get a bit of everything which is perfect and a lot of different like body shapes as well and yeah. and you're seeing like the different uh, games that that people play too, like the the boys from Finland are like really heavy into the leg entanglement stuff, and then you've got guys like Nick that's just that uh, super controlled top game guy. Yep. So it's like you, you're definitely getting a lot of different work here. Yeah, for sure. That's no, really good. But everyone's picked up. I mean, obviously the folk we've had a sort of somewhat narrow focus of butterfly X and single X, and it's been really good to see mm. everyone able to implement that as well you know like so just rolling with everyone and looking around people 
or using like really it trying it. Yeah, that's yeah. no, really good. So, did you ever think when you first walked into a jiu-jitsu gym that you would have a week in Thailand, own a hotel and a gym <laughs> <laughs> in Thailand? I didn't think I own a hotel in Thailand until about uh, three so days ago. <laughs> Uh, that's your hotel lucky oh that's cool yeah <laughs> um no obviously not yeah no um i just did it because i you know i suppose i think your goals always she i mean it's not it wasn't my goal to yeah to run a camp in thailand although it's an awesome thing to do um but i think the goal your goals always shift like you know when i was a purple belt like or, or a blue belt i was like oh met like you know if I could ever get to be, you know, Pan Pacific champion mm. at black belt, like that would be like the best thing ever. But then once you achieve that, you're like, you just look further. Like, okay, what about the worlds, you know? Or mm. what about this? What about, can I qualify for ADCC? Uh, I'd love to run a school one day. Like things that are, I mean, goals are, are funny in that you don't want to set, some, ideally goals are always achievable. Like own, owning a school mm. is, is very achievable. Whereas like winning a competition is not always just up to you. That's yeah, it's like it's nice always, in your control. But, but it's like, it's nice to work towards that. And, but yeah, I think you just always keep changing the goalposts. If, if, uh, if you achieve something, then you just yeah, move it along. We've spoken about this before on the podcast in like a business sense where like I, I've always tried to tell people, especially when it comes to money, like when people make money a goal yeah, and it's like, you start to, um, as you get closer to goals, they almost change before you get to the goal itself. Yeah, right. So it's like, oh, I want to make a million dollars. And then it's like, you're making 700,000. You're pretty close to that three yeah. uh, million dollar mark. You're only $300,000 off, but all the shit you've accumulated and all the things that you've done, then it's like the million like before you even get to a million dollars you're kind of looking past it yeah yeah. and i feel like that it's kind of like that leapfrogging kind of effect where yeah that that you're sort of talking about so i guess it it applies like everywhere it's like this shifting thing so it's like you almost need to not focus as much on the goal itself as like the process of yeah achieving the goal yeah i mean yeah let's even let's say it was like i wanted to be jiu-jitsu world champion i'm sure if i if that did occur you know, if I was a world champion, I'd probably be like, "Oh, I want to be the the best ever." You know, yeah. like you, you want to, you, yeah. They would always, you always just push it along. But um, yeah, I, that's, I think that's what a lot of this, you see a lot of guys doing anyway. Like, you know, and I think that's why guys like Huffer Mendes and so on are able to, well, and Cabrinha able to keep going, you know, yeah. for ten years straight. Because once you've achieved, once you won the world championships, it's like the amount of work and effort to go in and do that again. There must be something else that's got to, yeah, then it, drive that. Yeah, yeah. So we haven't spoken this week at all about how you got into jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Like, what was your background before? Because, uh, like, I guess the thing is, too, is, like, for the people that listen to this podcast that aren't into jiu-jitsu, like, you're, like, the Obi-Wan Kenobi of, like... Oh, not really. Like, I, feel like, I feel like you're on an Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> level of jiu-jitsu to no, where it's, no. like, you got, you're, like, the black belt dude, but now you're also, like, this incredible teacher. And the yep. guys that you teach, in, you know, like Craig Jones, for he's probably yep. the best example, yep. is like the young Luke Skywalker kind of deal, almost, you know what I mean? And it's like, uh, he's off kind of doing his thing. And, you know, I, I think it takes like a special person to be like a great teacher and, and be able to, I guess, dedicate their time to teaching and developing new techniques and then 
showing those to people the way that that you do so that's why i feel like it's there's a bit of a obi-wan kenobi reference in there because it's <laughs> yeah. like you're, you're still actively <laughs> uh, yeah, a jedi yeah, yeah. but you're also uh, a teacher yeah. as well um i appreciate the reference i probably wouldn't put myself at that you don't have, <laughs> that you level, don't have but, to put um, yourself there um, but yeah i mean it, i've seen some jedi a, shit this week all right <laughs> yeah 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 well jedi mind trick right yeah, yeah true um, um the yeah i, I mean Oh, it's a it's a tough one. I mean, I think to be a good coach, it's it's, it's kind of almost two types of coach. I think there's like a technical coach, yeah, um, like for technical development. But then there's like uh, a coach in terms of more like you know, like you see the you know, the coach of a football team or something. It's like a it, leader, it's more like yeah, yeah. like uh, and, and just like controlling how people train and what they're working on and, and that sort of stuff. Um, I think it's a tough one because you, you need to be in the game competing and, and training a lot to see, to keep up to date. It's like an arms race in jiu-jitsu where like people mm. are evolving the techniques and you need to be like right up there like in that evolution so that you can see, you know, you can start exposing your students to it and feel uh, what's happening and potentially even if, you, if you're doing really well, be ahead of the game slightly in terms of that. Yeah. So you need that, and I I think if you stop, like if you totally stop training and just tried to be a external coach, you'd start losing mm. a lot of the the feel for what's actually working, what doesn't, and you know, I think you see that quite a bit when people don't roll, they start teaching things that mm. they're like, oh yeah, this works. Like, yeah, but you're not you're not testing yeah. that. Does it work against the new guys that are doing like you know this and that? Like, does your technique work? You have to actually be testing that so I think that part's really important for technical development um, but then on the other side there's the which which is the side I probably think I could do a lot better and I'm thinking about that more and more but the actual like um, mentorship leadership yeah that's, side that's of it. sort of it that side of it yeah I mean like yeah, you can say I'm Craig's coach which is sort of technically true but I don't sit there like going hey Craig yeah yeah with this guy like you're gonna do yeah. this move and he's gonna you know like uh you need to work on this like correct we, we we train together and we both come up with I- ideas and so on like um so it's more so like it's, collaborative yeah exactly and i think it's like that at the at the high level I, I don't think i don't think the top guys need so much a technical coach that says like you're doing this wrong yeah but i think it would be really good to have someone because i think when you're left to your own devices there might be things that you miss or that you don't work on as much as you should like it'd be good to have someone overseeing like hey in your last three matches in this point you've missed this move like mm. that hasn't worked you're working that for the next month and, and I'd come to training oversee it and say you know mm. put in that position let's fix it like over and over again and that's something that I don't think a lot of people would do of their own yeah it's so much, much easier to work on your strengths yeah that's right and yeah. you do see that so, in a lot of sports like people become so like specialist i guess yeah that's right because it's hard to then work on the stuff that you suck at yeah and i guess especially in physical sport as well because there is consequences not i guess not so much jujitsu like there is consequences in jujitsu but not the same as like if you sucked at striking and they're like all right well you got to get in spar woodley every day you got to pick your shit up and it's like well uh If if i can make a example for my own for my own jiu-jitsu like um, in ADCC when I fought JT Torres like he got me with a arm drag like inside trip single leg sort of uh, setup. Mm. Um, 
and so that was what September and then fighting Oliver Taza and he did the same thing to me I hadn't fixed it mm. so I, whether he did or didn't study that and say I'm going to work that move or not but I hadn't fixed my mistake that that I made there whereas like if I had a mentor coach mm. hopefully they would be putting someone in you know for a month like one of my training partners is going to be constantly trying to hit that yeah. technique on me until that doesn't doesn't work anymore you know so is it uh, hard that, that, the that's, position that's, that's where I see the evolution in coaching for jiu-jitsu going a bit more like having someone overseeing that that side of it yeah and is it hard for you because you are that overseer dude exactly. and then yeah. you've got your St Kilda um, absolute MMA gym that you and Liv both coach at and then I yeah mean, and it's not just for elite yeah that, that's what I was going to say like even guys like Raul, Raul Jace like all these yeah. guys that are at your gym and they look to you like yeah. to you it's it's really hard and I think that I think this sometimes with Fabio as well like with my coaching I'm like really looking to Fabio like as like he's my coach but then it's like well he's like 50 or 60 other people's coaches yeah, and we're right, yeah. all looking at yeah. him like he's just our guy yeah. you so, kind of have to be a little bit responsible for your own development mm. in jiu-jitsu uh, I think the people who are like that do develop a lot quicker mm. um, but I do think at the top level like having someone oversee I, th- I think I actually think that's where one of the reasons why like the Denaher desk squads done yeah. well like just having someone like John Denaher's basically not rolling he's just watching the guys and he's probably writing down like hey you know you you missed that move five times like we're working you're working on that tomorrow that sort of thing which which to be honest we don't get at the moment at St Kilda but I'm, I'm starting to think more and more that will be maybe what's required to take it to the next next level mm. so I guess to circle back where did this all start for you because yeah. Oh, yeah, I kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a beautiful thing about podcasts that you can kind of go off on a tangent um, well I mean I started doing um, I watched a kung fu movie called Shaolin Temple with Jet Li yeah I watched that I was about 13 or 14 I was like oh this is a guy beating up like 15 people at once I was like hey, that looks pretty cool I'd like to learn some some kung fu uh, so I I looked it up and I found a a gym that taught I think it was like kung fu, kickboxing, and jujitsu, like all in in yeah. one. Um, it was mostly like a kung fu school, but the guy had done a little bit of jujitsu training. Um, so I started training there. Um, I think probably after about a year, the the coach there like showed me a VHS of UFC one. Yeah, right. And, um, I got to see Hoist Gracie using jujitsu to beat everyone. I still didn't believe it would beat a. You know, jiu-jitsu doesn't work a monk you know yeah. wouldn't beat a monk a Shaolin monk <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh but then I was like so because we had a little bit of grappling in the the sessions like I started to like focus a little bit more like you on gravitated that. towards yeah, it yeah I was like oh okay like it's interesting that the you know that these that, that grapp because like before that I was we did some grappling but I kind of was like oh yeah this is the, the part why would you do that you know yeah. um, and then I saw it was, it was actually like quite effective in a martial arts setting so I was like okay um, so I focused a bit more on that and then I was like oh, I should try an actual jiu-jitsu school and yeah. then obviously when I went to a jiu-jitsu school I noticed the level was considerably higher in the, the jiu-jitsu side of it so yeah, I just eventually went 100% to the jiu-jitsu and, and stopped training and so did you grow up in Melbourne? yeah like so you've always lived yeah. there? yeah that's crazy like I don't know why but well, I mean I guess 
Like, because you can tell when people are like well traveled. Yeah. And like you and Liv are two people where you can just sit down and talk to you and you're like, oh, they've done everything. They've been everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But you'd expect someone like you to have kind of like moved around and traveled, but it's like kind of cool that you've just always stayed in, in Melbourne. Yeah. I mean, we've traveled, I've still traveled a like lot you've traveled, and, and trained, yeah. traveled and trained. Um, like we spent six months in Brazil in 2014, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I suppose like with all the competitions. Yeah. You guys yeah. are on the road so much. So Any, yeah, yeah. Basically anytime I'm like, well, if I'm going to spend all that money going to LA, I might as well do something at the end of that. Yeah. So it always seems to be LA, which you get sick of. Yes. <laughs> I feel ya. <laughs> um, so how long did it take you, I guess, to get like pretty serious or were you like straight away kind of into it? No. Um, I mean, uh, I think I wouldn't say I was the most talented person I've seen, but I, I'd say I would probably, maybe it's just the fact that I was like 15 mm. years old, like, or 15, 16, I can't remember, but um, I probably picked stuff up a little quicker than your average person. So I mm. think um, like from that point of view, it was good. And I think it's good like to have a base and get jujitsu movements at that age is like a, a massive advantage. And when you hit adulthood, you can actually move pretty mm. well on the mat as opposed to trying to relearn that a new skill um, uh, but probably wasn't until and, and yeah, I'd always competed I don't think I won anything major even in Australia um, until brown belt at brown belt I went in the Abu Dhabi pro trials um, and it was a brown black belt division and I think mm. I won like three matches and then got to the final and lost by two points or f- maybe more than that against Rodney Ellis um, and I was he's a guy from Sydney Rodney Ellis um, and I was like oh that was like really close to winning the this is like you win that yeah, you get flown to Abu Dhabi to compete I was like wow I was like Pretty really close to, close to actually yeah. yeah and so after that I was like oh if I actually like put a bit more time and effort into this maybe I can can do well and I, I actually at that time my only guy was like butterfly guy didn't know what Delahiva was like it's so funny now because like we have white belts playing Delahiva. I didn't know what Delahiva was till like brown belt. Like, mm. yeah, basically, like had no, uh, had no concept of like what was going on in competition jiu-jitsu. Like, I, I didn't never watched like uh, international jiu-jitsu really? competition. Pretty much only just did what my coaches had shown me. Um, obviously, they'd had a bit more exposure, and then I think it would have been around the start of brown belt that I started watching. Um, well, I guess some, I was like pre-internet. Yeah, that's right. It's a, really, so yeah. it's like hard to stay. Yeah, we're talking on like your 10, pulses. ten years ago now. Yeah, and that's yeah. like I guess that's like just as the whole YouTube thing's like kicking off. But then I feel like jujitsu wasn't on the forefront of like digital media no, no, for no. like a while, you know. Yeah, so then like I started watching competitions, and I was, yeah, you know, and then you start seeing like okay, well, those guys are the best in the world, and they're doing this. Why aren't I doing that? Yeah. You know? So like I, even seeing like. Um, I remember it was probably, I think when the Mendes brothers were brown belts before people really knew what. The, they, I remember watching them do the Berambola. Yeah. Um, and people didn't have a name for it then. Like really. Was, it was just I just remember watching them like they're doing something weird there, and I started trying to copy it in training, but I didn't know what it was called. Probably for another month or two. Yeah. And I saw on like an internet forum, so I was like, oh, I think they're calling it the the Berambola. the Berambola, and then like you know now it's just like a, a stock a, move. Yeah, but like that didn't exist, you know, probably. 
seven or eight eight years ago. Getting a bit of a bit we, of wind. We got a unicorn on the move. <laughs> um, bloody unicorn. Um, that kind of threw me. Yeah, yeah. So the whole time that you're doing the your kind of jujitsu thing behind the scenes, you're training to be a physio. So yeah. like in your head were you ever thinking that jiu-jitsu was going to be like a career for you or was it always just like a hobby that you were good at and then you still wanted to like kind of pursue the physio stuff um i like it was definitely probably while i was going through uni i thought i was going to be a physio mm. um and just train jiu-jitsu as like a hobby um i think when i finished uni so i basically started when i finished uni i got my first job as a physio but it was part time so it means I could train I could still like get sometimes mm. two training sessions in a week um, although I ended up getting another part time physio job so I ended up training full time for a little bit but sorry uh, working full time but still training probably once a day uh, but yeah I, I probably thought I was going to be just a, just a, a physio, physio yeah. for work um, but I don't know I just you just enjoy jujitsu and yeah. start to have more success and you, and you, you know you, you see other people you know some of my friends in, in jiu-jitsu and coaches and so on they're like oh they're actually making a living mm. from teaching jiu-jitsu that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah because yeah. it, 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 when you started it couldn't have been like a real definitive clear pathway to like no, making no. money out of jiu-jitsu you know no it wasn't Um, but I, I should say, like you know like where I was trained this is it um, like guys like David Dominance like were, you know he had a pretty well-established academy that was doing really well like i definitely think that was a big influence like okay like that's really cool to see someone yeah uh, able to make a living off off jiu-jitsu so that, w- that would have been before i'd finished my physio degree but um i hadn't decided then that i wanted to yeah to run a gym but yeah um yeah so when was like the turning point then for that for like where you kind of could almost clip the physio side of stuff to to go full time into into training and coaching. Um, it's it's I don't know. It was it was a pretty slow sort of thing. Like I I think probably when I was in Brazil with Liv, like uh you know we, we went there to train for six months. I was doing my PhD, um, <laughs> my physio PhD at the time as well. Uh, but then I was like oh, okay, like I'd like to at that time I was like yeah I'd like to open up a jiu-jitsu academy one day but I hadn't actually I had no idea it was going to be like a top competitor sort of gym yeah like like a a place that like like people came to really yeah yeah Um, like I I think I was oh I remember looking like um, looking on the real estate or what is it real commercial commercial and like looking for like suburbs that had no jiu-jitsu around them you know so i was gonna go like somewhere like far out almost like you know try to find a suburb where there's no one around so that i would yeah. like be competing uh, with yeah everybody. that's right yeah um so that was the the plan but then um uh infinity was open and then um basically they decided to that in, it was an infinity martial arts in that opened in melbourne yeah um, and kit was teaching there but they decided to to stop that so they um, absolute took over and I got a chance to be involved in that so that was in you know the middle of uh, that was in South Yarra at the time but um yeah which was which was awesome but that was then bang close to the city which obviously as a 
for like if, for a competitive school you want to be in a location with a high population density where people a lot of people can access you know like mm. the, 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 you just plus it's close to the competitions yeah that's right like it's, it would be hard in an outer suburbs to get so many people to come because for a lot of people that's going to be a far far yeah. way to travel to especially in this in a city like Melbourne too with like traffic and yeah that's right yeah um, and you know at that gym there were already a few people that were doing reasonably well in competition when we when we started so so, so that's how you met Kit Dale was, nah, I knew Kit oh so you then. knew that yeah. you and before that yeah so we it was, a, it was a weird time like and it's probably like this in other states but like in Mel in jiu-jitsu in Melbourne it used to be like you kind of train at your gym and you don't cross train mm-hmm. at all um but we start I think I, I when I was a brown belt I think I was like you know I want to compete at worlds and do well I think I organized at absolute like uh, a Sunday training session open to anyone from any gym like let's just come together train and prepare for mm. for worlds um and so I think might have been through that that I start first role with Kit. Or maybe we'd messaged each other before that and, and had a role. I think she, no, actually I think my first role with him was at the Beans where he was training. Um, yeah, Kit's a yeah, he's so good. <laughs> <laughs> he's an individual. Yeah, I'm pretty keen to get him on here one day. Actually, yeah, no, he's, he should. He's he's a funny guy. He because um, he's a he's got a pretty unique story in like because what he got a black belt in five years. Yeah, maybe even less than that. That's crazy. Yeah. But like Simon was saying at breakfast how he, what did he say? It was like five or six weeks that he went from like being able to smash him to like that was it. Yeah. He had a five-week window where he could actually tap Kit Dale. It was, less, it was less than that for me. I think I was a brown belt and Kit was a purple. And like in my first role, I didn't beat him, but I was like, oh, yeah, that was a good, like it was pretty back and forth. And then like I rolled him a week later and then he just, beat the crap out of me I was like how do you, what did you change yeah, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> how does that work uh, what do you, you think that was no, I think um, I think Kit like uh, he, he's got a really good mindset for it like he doesn't just I think everyone thinks about what they're doing you know like I'm trying to do you know you hear mm. someone talk about a role they're always like you know I was trying to do Delaheva and I was trying to do a triangle mm. and it's always like that whereas I think Kit actually like looks at his opponent and what they, they were doing. doing like what's their sequence what's their first grip what's their second grip what's their third grip and then kind of like so well, what do they do when I when I stop that you know mm. and it sort of starts to read read their his opponents really well um, which I wish I was good at that I, I gotta practice that actually because I think it's like a, a good way to mm. to learn yeah that's interesting because I mean I even yeah I, I feel like I'm guilty of saying like oh yeah then I did this and then I did that and then I did this yeah. but it's like I guess it's all it's such an action reaction sport and then even like rolling with Stuart Cooper yesterday uh, Tom filmed it and I watched it back last night and it was the same pass every time and the same like everything that he did was the same Yeah. and if oh, I was able to in the, uh, there was one instance where because I was trying to play like knee shield and then he was doing the weave pass but there was one I think he he tapped me twice and then there was one where I like really grip fought with him and I'd stop I was going for the underhook yeah and not letting him get that arm in yeah and as soon as I did that then he actually stepped back yeah and then he stepped back in again and then shot really quickly like quicker yeah. than I could kind of react to it but it was yeah. like 
it's just such pattern recognition and if you if you keep um if you can adapt to that pattern as it's happening then it's like that's the i guess the way you're gonna have success yeah for sure yeah that's the but like man you see guys that are you know still blue belts after five years so it's like to yeah, get I mean, to that like, level, yeah. you know. But I guess yeah, like, he, I, he trained full time, right? I think a lot of that's coach dependent as well, you know. Like, it's hard to say, like, you know, yeah, who. I, I don't. I don't like looking at how long someone, mm. you know, like, because um, you see, like, you know, sometimes you see a guy, an Atos guy or something who wins worlds and then they do worlds again at the same belt. It's like. Mm. Like, you know, at any other gym in the world, that guy would have been like two or three belt levels higher. Like, if you're winning the world championships, you're not just like good enough to be the next belt. You could you you actually, in fact, if you win blue belt worlds, you, you're probably a brown belt. You, you could probably beat most black belts. Yeah. Okay. Really. Like, probably. Like yeah. most, most your average black belt. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. That's um, crazy. Uh, that's what I like. You know, winning blue belt worlds is like like you're nowadays like you're you're, you're a savage pretty, yeah um i don't mean that as a st- disrespectful thing to most black what i'm saying is yeah the, no, the level, the level of, the, yeah. of the the blue belt that does especially purple like someone who's won purple belt worlds will be like like i'll, I'll find that a very tough role. yeah and so i guess then because the whole like with jiu-jitsu the belt systems is kind of like it's a weird one in yeah. terms of there's a lot of like subjectivity to it oh for sure and it's like do you i guess not like hold people back but is there like standards that you hold people to to where it's like say you get a a really good white belt and he's just killing it and he's coming in and learning and like a lot of effort are you gonna make it his blue belt a little bit harder to get because of I guess the level that you're yeah. setting for him him yeah. as opposed to the casual guy that comes to the gym has his same routine yeah. does his class he's not studying he's not trying okay. to go on the extra effort like is it is it an, is genera- it apples to apples or is it apples and oranges at that point I generally like if someone likes to compete a lot I would generally maybe make it a little tougher for them mm. like as in like like you know that they should be the best blue belt in the gym before they get their their purple belt mm, sort of thing yeah um, because they're competing and if you're going to compete like you're there to win especially internationally like if, if you're trying to win the world people should be complaining about the belt you know, people yeah. at your home gym should be like when's this you know this is ridiculous how's he not a yeah how's he yeah. not a purple belt yet because yeah. if you're not then you're not going to win the world like don't bother yeah don't bother going to the world trying to win it Unless people at home are complaining about you the being fact a blue that you're belt. still, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like I mean, people call that sandbagging, but like that's literally what you know. That's uh, by definition, like if you win the worlds, you're literally the best blue belt in the world. You probably should sandbag, like you've yeah. been on it either too long, or you're too good for the belt. That, that yeah, you're on. yeah, that's that's. And I guess that's why you see people like when they win, they get like right away, they'll have like a purple belt around their neck on like yeah, the podium right, or yeah. whatever. Cause yeah. it's like, that's your, yeah. now you're, you're done. Yeah. It's like you've achieved all that you can achieve. I mean, for me, it's like, I, I don't put like, I, I think it's like, like it's an awesome achievement to win a world championship at blue belt or purple belt or whatever. But I think the ultimate test is black belt. So like, it's more to me about motivation, you know, mm. like I feel like, 
what what you want is like to keep someone motivated up to black belt and they mm. want to be a competitive black belt that's yeah. that's the, the end goal so like for some people for a lot of people like winning or getting a medal at the worlds or winning the worlds they're like cool i'm an awesome competitor mm. i've done it at purple next year i'm going to do it at brown or next two years i'm going to do it at brown and then i'm going to be a black belt and i'll be a competitive black belt like they see the pathway mm. pretty well whereas if you go in the if you promote it a little too early, or not too early, but maybe too early as a competitor, like you go to Worlds, you lose first or second round at Purple Belt, and then you go to Brown, you eventually get your Brown Belt. You, you kind of squashed it every second round. You're like, am I actually a good yeah. competitor? Like, whereas if maybe if you had have spent one more year at the Purple Belt, you're like, oh, like yeah, I medaled at Purple Belt. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm. I'm getting up. It's a weird thing. But yeah, like it's you, like you the confidence the, game. Yeah, I think like in that way you see the progression. It's visible to you, like the how you go to become a, a top level yeah. competitor. And this is obviously how many people win the world. So it's three, not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> three per division. Yeah. Or like, sorry, one per division. Three people get a medal. Actually, they give two third places. So four people get a, a medal yeah. you know, in each division. So it's, it's not easy, obviously. So yeah. even then, that's like a extremely hard thing to do yeah and i guess like i think some of the mindset side of things like even for me it starts to shift a little bit I, well i guess it's like that goal thing that we were talking about because it's like you first walk in the gym and then you you're getting smoked by everybody yep. like there's there's nobody there that you can almost hold a candle to and then it's like you start tapping some white belts and then you get that first blue belt tap and then you're like, damn, that was crazy. And then it's like you kind of hunt for that again, but you're not expecting it. Yeah. And then you start getting it more. And then now you're at a level where it's like, like, I mean, even this camp, like I feel like I've I've held myself at the standard of when I roll with all the blue belts except Nick. <laughs> I'm like looking to do something. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Nick's like the one dude I haven't even, <laughs> I've just got no smoke for that guy. But like, it's like your mindset changes and yeah. I think and like even coming into this camp I was like A I thought I'd be the only white belt and I thought I'd be by far like and I don't think there is a worse like a worse person so it's not like oh I thought I was going to be the worst person yeah, here, but yeah, I knew yeah. I'd be the least experienced yeah. and I thought that it was going to be a week of just Getting complete <laughs> ass kickings <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's like even through the week your expectations change so it's like do you think it's, it's yeah. helpful for people to not look at like I'm going to tap this belt or that belt or, yeah. and just more start thinking of like overall jujitsu and like, oh, I was able to keep my guard for this long and I was able to like, regardless of the belt. No, I, th- I mean, it's, it's good to, I don't, I don't like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Cause I don't, once you've had your black belt for six years, you kind of forget about it. But like, I mean, mm. I, uh, belts just, uh, you know, I don't know. Belts are, are a funny thing. Cause mm. as you said before, they're subjective. Yeah. Um, but um, I think it's better to look at like what you're doing mm. but you, you know it's, it is important to look at who you're doing it on as well yeah because like because it is a good you know, gauge you could, really you, can, you could be like you know you'd be like I oh, you know when someone I, let, I don't mind when someone takes my back because I do this you know prone armbar thing on you know mm. <laughs> some people do this armbar like from when someone has their back which like won't work on on, on a, a, yeah, someone who's yeah. experienced so you still have to look at like who you're doing it on because yeah. like then it's it's a proper a proper test you know you yeah. could you could 
choke a new person from inside their closed guard maybe yeah and you're like man this, I've got this really good technique but yeah. like in, it, it's yeah, not going to work against work. anyone yeah. that knows so I think it's important like who you're getting your techniques on just yeah but so yeah it is important but I, I don't know focus on your own progression yeah like the overall like the big picture of it all yeah but I, I mean I, I suppose in terms of like what you were saying about the level of everyone at the camp I think like when you when you have a camp like this and you narrow things down to a very specific some specific positions then it can quite quickly bridge the skill gap uh, a yeah, lot you know yeah. what I mean like um, it's no longer like all of jujitsu and who's got better like because there's so much to it but it's now like this is a very narrow area yeah and by the end of the camp like everyone almost has an equal amount of knowledge about the positions so and, 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 and you've actually had a you've probably spent like all the guys here have probably spent as much time unless they're like play that as their A yeah. game already like they've probably all spent as nearly much as much as time me. as each other yeah, yeah, as, yeah as you have now so like uh, the that's what I wondered coming into it yeah because I sort of had it like some schools don't do any of this kind of stuff some schools do a lot of this stuff but I I kind of wondered in my mind coming into this as like I feel like I'm good at learning yeah now it's like if there's a guy whether he's a blue belt or a purple belt or a brown belt if he doesn't know I feel like if you're a purple belt or brown belt you're probably going to be pretty kind of proficient in some of this stuff at least yep. but it's like let's just say there's a purple belt and a white belt and neither have worked the techniques and they're both good at learning it's like shouldn't you both be able to kind of progress at the same rate yeah at the same rate I mean like, there's the, some movement stuff where you're like more used to the way your body moves and things like that but yeah. I, I, I did wonder if that is how it would be coming into this camp to where it's like that the time and the where you're at in overall jiu-jitsu would matter less because it's so focused and it's like yeah i I think i think it definitely matters less i mean don't get me wrong like you uh like being an experienced grappler you like just anything you can tend like you know how to put like good pressure in the right area like you know you, you, you could take someone who's never done single X before but they're like an expert at half guard and all this sort of stuff but never done single X before they should still um, just through like good grappling feel like be able to pick it up someone then yeah. better than quicker than someone who's never grappled before but uh, definitely by n- narrowing it down it, it, um, it does yeah. you, you, your learning curve will be pretty similar between the two of them so, yeah yeah, yeah and that, that was definitely like a, a curiosity of coming yeah. into this and I think that for any white belt or like new blue belt that listens to this podcast and thinks that a camp is like out of their league I think that it's like almost designed for you like in, yeah, a, yeah. in a way yeah. because it's like you can come in and and you're gonna be learning the same stuff you're gonna be with the same people and it's like you're, you're even starting to figure out people's games which makes you more yeah. effective so it's like I really think that it's probably an underrated thing for like early jiu-jitsu yep. people but it's like if you're serious and really yeah. kind of want to get into it and and I think that maybe that's like a bit of a misconception about camps yeah, I think or so. yeah, yeah. to where it's like should we get a couple more beers or I maybe get a iced coffee can we get excuse me can we get um, one iced coffee and, and one more singha coffee, normal coffee 
uh, what, what do you want, iced coffee? Is there any ice? No ice. We don't have the ice coffee. We normal. Okay, I'll just get a cappuccino. Thank you. And then one more singer. But I like this service. I feel like we should have a bar at every uh, every, yeah, every podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, how active are you still with like the physio stuff? Like, how much of that do you have to keep up to like not lose your edge in in that zone, or is it kind of? Jiu-Jitsu is a good place to be. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu mat is like almost a good place to be a physio at times. Oh, I mean, there's definitely plenty of injuries, but it's kind of hard because like often people come up and ask you things, but like it's. Yeah. I, I don't like doing like a real quick assessment of things because it won't be a good assessment. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and then it's kind of like you know if someone said to you, "Hey, can you just quickly like film something for me like I'm just just gonna do this and, and then like and then like, like uh, but yeah. then you're like it's like your reputation as a filmmaker like then you've yeah. got a poster it's like you know like if someone's like oh can you just quickly look at this or that and then I'll spend like two minutes looking at their knee or whatever like I might get my diagnosis wrong in that time you know because I haven't had the time to and, yeah. you know, and then they'll be like oh like Lockie's a shitty physio he didn't get my yeah. you know but it's not I just need like you know so I it can be annoying like that. <laughs> but um, I'm going off topic. How much how much physio do I do? I probably do like... Uh, like you, you have to obviously... Four. I guess you have to like stay sharp in it really, right? Because yeah. uh, there's a lot of new research being done and a lot of yeah, like, new techniques. Yeah, and yeah there is. Uh, a lot of research is quite slow. But mm. um, I probably... Uh, you know, I, I don't do heaps. I probably see like five, five or six patients a week. Mm. Um, just enough to... To keep it. And where do you work out of? At, at the gym. At gym. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Liv, Liv does a lot more than me. So she, Liv does much more physio than I do. I just do a little bit. So for people that don't know Lockie, his wife Liv, they met fiance, fiance. <laughs> yeah, right. he, he's, he's still got time to back out. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Liv. Uh, no. <laughs> I meant to say that. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be more angry at me than you. Yeah. Um, so and she can joke me. We've found that out this week. Um, yeah, so you guys met through physio, yeah. and she hadn't done. Was she done like? Before. She's a gymnast. Well, and she a went. Cyclist. She said the other night that she went to jiu-jitsu, She went to a jiu-jitsu class while she was in Brazil, so that she could tell you, "Oh yeah, I went I, and did jiu-jitsu." Now that wasn't her first. She she started but, jiu-jitsu in Melbourne. Like at, she was doing gym or Muay Thai at some place that also had um, jiu-jitsu there. So she started jiu-jitsu at a school in Melbourne. Um, but only like I think that was like a week before she left to Brazil and then she's like oh I'm gonna try a class at Brazil and I was like mm, don't no. <laughs> don't do that <laughs> um, but she did so yeah she's pretty tough though she, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. I can imagine her getting in there and, uh, and uh, she, making it up. she likes to train hard like she's always she came out of a, a gymnast from Poland so yeah uh, the work ethic for, for training is, is obviously pretty full on so how cool was it to then because she's a three time world champion yeah. So it's like you took her from like nothing. Obviously, there's a good athletic base, but then you take her all the way through to her black belt. She's won three world championships with like her partner as her coach. Like that's a pretty interesting dynamic that you guys have got going on there. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I wasn't at first. I wasn't. I was always sort of like um, th- like uh, helping with coaching at first. I wasn't her like because she was training at that other place with. First, yep, then yep. I was play, training somewhere else because um, she used to live in Mentone, 
when we first, and I was in Cliff in Q, so we were like over an hour away, oh. drive away from each other. Like, <laughs> so she was training at a different place, um, but we, obviously we would still like discuss jujitsu. Probably was, I think it was it wasn't until Blue Belt um, that I was sort of mentoring her jujitsu more. Um, yeah along with Tiago at that time as well. Um, and, but no, it was, it was really cool. I, I, I pretty much at that time, I didn't, like when she won Worlds, I kind of didn't think that, I was like, oh yeah, like Jiu-Jitsu is Brazilians, you know, it's Brazilians and maybe the occasional American that wins, but like an Australian mm. doesn't win the World Championship. So was she so like one of the first to win from Australia? One or? of the first women. Yeah. Um, I th- actually, I think the year before her, Lan won um, and there, there had been like uh, Marianne and Sophia had won before that um, yeah if you, uh, our women have had a lot more international success than yeah than okay men. so yeah. what do you think that thanks brother legend thank you very much mate so for those just listening on iTunes and not watching the video we're thank actually you. at a Phuket resort we got the pool in the background and we're doing this podcast at the bar. Lockie's just got a cappuccino. I've just got another singha. And life could be worse. Could be. <laughs> and then we've got our last training session in uh, three hours. And I, uh, I'm i starting to definitely feel it. I'm definitely <laughs> feeling like I'm ready to uh, pack up. It's so hard to say no, man. To training. Oh, yeah. like, and especially when you it comes time to roll like you because that's really where the physicality is like yeah. I definitely the specific training's been like physical yeah in a way but nowhere near because you're already kind of in the position yeah and you're not really fighting for it um but yeah I mean then you, you start rolling and you've got all this new information you've got a lot of sweaty uh sweaty people with no gear to grab onto and it's been some very fast pace and and I think everyone's keen to, to make the most of it and it's just like we're all cooked this yeah it's a, it's a hard one because I think like oh obviously everyone loves to roll and I, as I said to the guys like it depends what, what you what you for. came here for like if you want to just get good at like this particular game then you know if if, if rolling today means you're going to miss the training session tomorrow mm. then maybe it's better if your aim is to get better at single X and X it might be better to just do the, the drills and the specific training and and that sort of stuff but obviously everyone likes to roll and it's it, sometimes it's you know you're here to roll different people and that can be really good too and then it's it is nice as well in rolling to test it out because it's a little different to specific training trying oh to get yeah for sure like yeah. yeah it's definitely a totally different um beast and then you add in that they've already learned <laughs> yeah. what you are trying to do and yeah. it's like uh well yeah i mean just as much of a you know but it's it, a good thing you know uh, yeah. as well yeah I mean, it could be just as easily a camp. You could call it a camp on passing butterfly X and single X because to understand how to maintain and defend and control from there, you also have to understand yeah. how to, to beat it. So we cover that a lot as well, obviously. Like, yeah. this is how someone's going to try and get out of your single X, um, which at each of those things are a legit um, attacks too. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, that's this is like the first. Um, you know, like you hear people say like, oh, this is my half guard system. This yeah. is my Kimura trap system. This is my yeah. butterfly system. And I've, I've never, I haven't bought any DVDs. I haven't done any of that yeah. system kind of stuff. Yeah. So this is like my first exposure to like 
the building blocks of like the first thing we did was a butterfly sweep and yeah. then everything is fanned off that yeah and that to me i think just that in itself has been cool yeah. like i'm gonna start to try and think about like okay so i'm, I'm gonna spend a lot of time getting this system right before i move to yeah. you know getting something else yeah. and it's like trying to have like because it's like okay this is what happens if they come into you this way this is what happens yeah. if they backstep this is what happens if they slide their knee through here yeah and and you're right there is such an action and then a reaction for for everything and and i think that that's probably one of the benefits of spending an entire week twice yeah. a day on something is that you're really training that that kind of action reaction it's been really cool because like i even i've learned a lot like running the the camp yeah, myself okay. actually just because like I mean, I've taught butterfly and, and X and single X in, in class before, and a lot of these techniques I've taught individually, but it's a different thing to sit down and go, okay, how does this all fit like, I've got one week to make everyone understand the whole picture. So, like, at the end of the week, you go, you know, you should be able to go back to your gym and someone presents a problem and you should know have like, the answer yeah, have the answer at least you know it might not be automatic yet but like yeah you should be able to go oh i was meant to do this you know um so, and you just can't do that in a regular weekly no. class because as, as i was saying like it's different people show up to each class you know so i can't mm. there's a lot of assumed knowledge like you know i want to say oh this is you know how do we deal with when someone passes x guard in this way but then like i look over and then there's a guy there's five, five people in the class that haven't learned what X guard is yet. Mm. I'm like, oh, I can't do, it. I can't do that because they don't know what, they don't yeah. have the the background on that. And yet, I think you know? that there's a big thing as well to be said for like the quality of training partner, because you really need help in this, in a way to where you need enough resistance to be able to fully commit to what you're trying to do, like that final. Um, backstep today yeah like i think that if we learned that at the start of the week we all would have been just kind of awkwardly flailing <laughs> around not uh, and i mean like the person on top in a yeah, way yeah, even. Yeah, yeah so it's like to even have like that quality of training partner that's going to give yeah. you more of like a lifelike kind of feel because it's it is hard to simulate yeah in a way when it's like the person that's i guess supposed to be the dummy we've been well i'd say lucky in that like everyone's been pretty good at picking up the, the techniques yeah often you know for every class there's often like one person that you have to kind of you know spend an extra little bit a fair with. bit work, working with but um it's been pretty pretty good for that overall which has mean i've i can sort of brush through more stuff which probably maybe that's not as good because people's brains get fried but yeah i mean there's definitely a bit of i feel like i've retained half of yeah. <laughs> what we've That's learned right. in terms of like I can go and do that right now and then there's stuff that I've I'd say there's maybe like five or six techniques that have like really worked to where like I've just been doing it yeah in that live situation almost yeah, yeah yeah and then other ones where you're like oh I'll and then there's then yeah, there's yeah 50 yeah, percent yeah. of stuff where I'm gonna need a refresher yeah but I I know that with how much we've practiced Yep. the techniques that once I get that refresher and watch the video and stuff like yep. I can kind of go back to that yeah but yeah I think that yeah the way it was 
was done was like the structure was it it all made sense and it seemed like the next you know lesson two was just an extension of lesson one and then lesson three and it sort of seemed like we were going back to the same yeah kind of positions and sort of and working from yeah yeah yeah, expanding is like the perfect word for it yeah but yeah it's uh definitely like just a overall cool experience too like even outside of the jiu-jitsu way more than i thought it'd be like i knew i was gonna have fun but like i just don't yeah i just did had no idea like the kind of people like it was really cool group really really good group people r2 is there's one guy from finland and he's a physicist that worked at cern and he worked at cern which is like the most expensive machine on planet earth it's (laughs) a fucking particle accelerator (laughs) so it's like there's so much uh so many different kind of cool people here and, and actually we had a as another guy um tom who works as like uh oh he's a head of, track and field coach yeah for, like hey not i think it's not just track and field i think it's um a few different sports for really the guitar, like i think he oversees like the the coaching and and so on he's got some like he i was speaking to him actually about like learning you know like how people learn and so on and i sort of there's some stuff I actually uh, occasionally do in my training, but like speaking to him, I'm like, oh, I need to do that more. Even even at the camp, I did that a little bit, like the random learning and, and so on. So like, oh, uh, so because he actually made a suggestion for one of the specific trainings, right? Yeah. So we were doing. Um, actually, I, I kind of. So this is I, if I can tell you how I yeah, originally yeah, yeah, planned yeah. it, and then how I changed it after chatting to Tom. Like I originally. I was originally like, okay, well, we're going to be working like Butterfly X and Single X. Um, so I want to um, make sure like each session we get a a little bit of exposure to it, like in specific training. Because mm. kind of, I know that like, I know from research, like if you learn something and then sleep overnight, you come back to it and you're actually better at it mm. the next day like that. It's like your brain absorbs it so instead of doing one class and just a specific training butterfly and then the next day do a class and just specific training single x and then Mm. then another class and just specific train x you will learn better if you do a little bit of each each day each day yeah um but where so i was was originally planning on like okay we'll do some specific training from butterfly then we'll change do some specific training from x then we'll change and do it from um single x but um, what he was saying, which which is good, is like actually random training where it's actually all mixed together. Yeah. So we had it. So instead of the, being three separate things, person on top comes out and they will and they choose. choose. They, like person on top will either say, okay, I'm starting from X single X or or butterfly. So that way the person on bottom has this random yeah uh, allocation to one of those three positions, and then they have to. So you kind of have to call on all the techniques in your head pretty quickly like okay we're starting from here i gotta yeah i gotta go and it's interesting actually because he said when you when you get people to do that they will rate themselves as worse at it yeah and if, like so if we just did specific training from single x people would walk away like oh i was I'm all right at that i knew what was yeah. going on uh whereas if you do it from three different positions like that like all those th- three positions they'll go like oh i'm not that good at it but when you actually look at their outcomes and performance, they get better. Yeah. So they think they're worse, but they actually learn more. Yeah. So uh, it, and is that you called can, like your perceived rate of learning or something like that? Possibly, yeah. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, so uh, you know, having you know, have, you know, a few days in a row on the camp, like I definitely think people have like picked the game up really oh, well. Yeah, like, for sure. Around, so. It's it's yeah. crazy too. Like the other thing that I think is like underrated in this experience is um, there's no distractions, right? So like, I at Gala Brothers, I can train like Tuesdays and Thursdays at Southside. I can train twice a day. Yep. And then Mondays and Monday, Wednesday and Friday on the Gold Coast, I could train twice a day. Yeah. So there's an option for me to train twice a day, every day. But even if I did that, it's different than here yeah. because I leave the gym at 11 when I finish the morning session and then I go home to work and I've got all this shit coming at me yeah. that's not related to what I just learned in yeah, any yeah. shape or form yeah. and then I go back for the afternoon session and I'm like stressed and I'm frazzled and I've had to deal with all this bullshit and then I've then try and switch my mind back into jiu-jitsu yeah. and then it's like almost like starting again so it's like you're doing the two classes but it's like it's definitely not the same when you leave there and you walk to the hotel and then we're all talking about the class and then we go to lunch and we're all talking about the class and then you get back to your hotel room and you're washing what your shit and you're sort of thinking about the class and then you go back and you get a chance to do it all again yeah and i i think that in itself too it's like in my head i'm just trying to think of like all the things of like what i expected versus yeah. what it kind yeah, of really yeah. is and it's like that's I think a really underrated thing and like me and Andrew and Raul and Nick have all been like just we've watched all the footage then we've like been talking about it and it's like it's just this non-stop um it's like sinking like right the way in yeah and you know you visualizing different stuff before you get back to gym like oh this is what I'm gonna do on this guy or blah 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 so it's like it's all those little things I think that really add up to like um, to really make that learning kind of like sink in. Yep. I think the one thing with jujitsu is that it attracts like a quite intelligent people and like intelligent yep. people are kind of become successful at it. Yep. And like, obviously you're a doctor, like you got a PhD and <laughs> you know, yep. Dr. Lokiyagi. <laughs> but it's like, what, is, do you think the mental side of it's like what's kept you engaged for so long? Because like you're a yeah, su- yeah. you're a smart dude in terms of just general conversations, and you've got some broad interests and talked about like coding and you know <laughs> you know like you got into coding and stuff like that. So it's yeah, like I'm not very good at that, but yeah. No, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what uh, I'm saying. Um, yeah, I definitely think the the mental side's what keeps me interested. Um, it's yeah, I, probably recently I've had a bit of a shift in in what I think. Like I'm, I've always, I've always just viewed jujitsu as like a technical arms race, you know, mm. like as in like I'm gonna keep evolving my technique and refining it, and if it's good enough, I'll win. Um, whereas I think now at the top level, like this, I mean, not now, just now, but like more and more so, other things. Uh, are important like flexibility strength speed mm. timing um and and mindset as well for competition so i, I probably like actually i think for me in, in my, my own competition my my big thing that i want to be working on is is a lot of those other things mm. i feel like 
you know, maybe in, in the next year, everything going really well, my, my technique improved, you know, I, I improved 10, 15%, like as a technical jiu-jitsu player, like if everything mm. goes really well. Um, but that maybe from those other things, I could be like, a, you know, I could be an extra 50% better or, yeah, or which so is if like I'm more gains. flexible, yeah. more powerful. Uh, my timings, you know, they've my mindset and my timing, and, and if I work some other things that I think, um, but but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it and it also then becomes like a bit of a crossroads. You see some people like whose jujitsu is like really limited, and I think that is actually the best for competition. Like I, you know, the pretty much the stuff that we covered this week. Like if you watch someone like Eddie Cummings, it's basically all he does combined with some much more. Like some leg lock. that sort of stuff. No, 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 no. He's a oh, he's no, a no. dude. So yeah. I was thinking about uh, Geo. Yeah. Um, now he, uh, but like his leg locks are amazing. But he just goes like either butterfly or, or like a single X shin to shin sort of entry into into leg locks. Um, yeah. And he's got some some slightly different stuff to, to what we learned as well. But like he just plays that. Yeah. And he doesn't even really come on top. Doesn't try to pass. Yeah, I'm sure he does in training sometimes, but like he watches matches and he basically says like, "No, nah, this is what I'm good at. We're just keeping jujitsu in this, this small this little small ecosystem." Little, yeah, uh, which works really well. But to me, that's not as exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, he's actually a really smart guy too, at least from from what I'm, as far as I'm aware. Um, but I think, you know, for him, his like brain is like, man, like how can I? How can I improve my leg lock? Like by, he's by going 1%. in there with like you know, he's looking a samurai like, sword. Yeah, he's yeah. like you know, ra- looking razor sharp at the things he already does, trying to like refine it. Um, I've probably generally had a more general approach. Like I play a lot of different. Yeah. Gut. Like this is a this has been a butterfly X and single X camp, um, but I also like just as much of my game is is like uh, reverse delaheva, sit up guard, half guard. Like I play that. Mm. I'd say to a to a pretty high level as well. So, um, that's just from guard, and, and obviously I like passing. You know, that's mm. some stuff I do from, back, like a, a whole bunch of stuff. Some some systems, the other systems that sort of work together. So, yeah. And is that like, do you think that comes from having a school because you can't just teach a certain way? Like you've kind of. And, like, your game's different to Craig's game, but you're still working with Craig, and then, you you know, you work with Kid a bit, and you work with Hodgie, and you've got all these guys that you work with. So it's like... I think it's better as a coach for yeah. that. Like, I can teach them more. Well, actually, I don't know. But, uh, you know some of those specialists probably might still be able to teach mm. other games really well. But, like, I definitely can because I can play it. Um, yeah, I think it's good as a coach. Uh, at the same time, like, you know, you could just do this game and just teach this game and have all your students be like experts at that you know yeah uh, the pro- it becomes a problem if it's reliant on certain attributes yeah you know? like the there's some things like like the butterfly stuff uh, if you're really small like for the girls it's hard to use like butterfly sweeps against yeah. bigger guys you can use that distance butterfly we talked about we, 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 that we started with like more like arm drags and yeah um and keeping like a bit more distance from butterfly, you can use that really well. But like trying to get underneath and yeah, elevate yeah, them is, is not as uh, effective if there's a massive um, weight difference. So um, th- then it can be a problem because you're not giving other other options. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, based on on the size. So. 
What's yeah. um what's it been like lately with the whole like the buzz around Craig and what he did when he kind of burst onto the scene and then it, it seems like then that built up like this following that you've got on YouTube and then you started like really having some some success as a, a competitor. Like, you know, there's like the boys from Finland, for example. Yeah. They were like, oh, it's my dream to get Anaconda choked yeah. by Lachlan. <laughs> you know, like you yeah, kind of yeah. are like this little yeah. superstar in a certain, It's although it's a very niche kind of space that we're playing in, it's like you kind of have shot into like a certain level of notoriety and now now Craig's arguably one of the biggest names in jiu-jitsu. So it's like, has it been a weird little transition to kind of like watch it all happen and yeah, you know weird, and like yeah. look at Raul Raul saw you on YouTube dude and yep. said I'm gonna go to Australia and live in a backpacker <laughs> hostel and I'm gonna train absolute like that shit's crazy he's a legend <laughs> he is a legend he's very good um yeah it's been pretty weird it's um yeah it's it's funny the just like the combination of things that have like the sort com- of come yeah, together yeah because yeah, yeah. I sort of had the YouTube channel and that was I think that got popular after I was I was on EBI and that started to get more popular then. Um, but definitely, because uh, I put up a clip of a, an armbar I did on, on EBI, um, like an Nakamura series, and then obviously once Craig did well, I think that yeah put a bit more legitimacy yeah. from the coaching point of view. So I, I like you know I think I'm not like the best competitor. Like you could find people with, with much better achievements than I like I, I'm competing at a I'd say I'm competing at a, at a high level and I, I've beaten some some top guys but I've definitely lost quite a lot of matches as well mm. um, so like if you were looking just for a top competitor you could find um, you could find people with definitely better um, resume than I do there um, but I think people like that I'm coaching as well which yeah. is yeah um, and, it's, and maybe it's they like, like the way I coach you know it could be the way I coach as well um, and it's like this ecosystem of you've got Absolute which carries that name and then yeah. you've got yourself as a competitor and then yourself as just a academy coach and then a coach to these guys yeah. <laughs> that like because that whole crew down there like you got Kit Craig you got Hodgie I'm yeah. sure there's dudes I don't know that yeah. are like yeah, I've got a bunch that, of guys that are... You know, yeah. so it's like, it's definitely like this perfect little storm that sort of seems like it's going on. It's almost like a, I don't know, like an Aussie dance yeah. one in a way, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, but it, I guess it must be, because I know for, so say with me for the podcast, right? Like, you start doing it and you don't look past what's like right in front of you at the time. Yeah. So like when you started doing the coaching it's not like you're looking past that to like oh I hope one guy walks in as a purple belt and he's just this freak of nature (laughs) and then he starts killing everybody and now I'm going to be this famous coach like you sort of you never really look past your nose in a way yeah it just sort of happens like you know um, I think it's it comes down to just you know like even the YouTube channel I wasn't like oh I'm going to make a YouTube channel that'll have over a million views you know it was just yeah I think one of our students was like, oh, we should like film some stuff and put it on YouTube. I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> like <laughs> do it. And then, you know, that got shared and slowly, you know, more people started liking it. So we, you know, started putting out more content and now it's 
become pretty popular, which yeah. is good. Um, and same with, you know, like, uh, you know, obviously you're, you'd like, you know, if someone said, do you, do you want to have like an awesome competition team? I'd be like, yeah, that'd be great. But when I first started the school, I didn't know, as I said before, I was potentially going to open up yeah, know, quite far away, you know, um, and start from, from fresh. And that would have been interesting for my own jujitsu mm. as well. Cause I wouldn't have had the same level of training partners to yeah. push me that I have now. So it's yeah. it's interesting like i guess it just speaks to the time that we live in to where like you just have access to so many more people yeah and it's like i mean even we talked about like ai and all that kind of shit like how much of that stuff do you even think think about like outside of all this because like what if we're like the generation where like our focus right now is on this whole jujitsu thing and it's like something changes in society so dramatically to where it's like this will just be like the most pointless shit because (laughs) all this AI like do you ever think about I guess not that it's gonna like Uh, cost you your career or whatever but do you ever like go down the rabbit hole of thinking about what's kind of next just like as a general kind of thing I think Jiu Jitsu is safe from AI for now yeah Yeah, but like on the yeah, but like on like this just the general humanity kind of perspective because we I guess we're like we're sort of talking about it at lunch like everyone seems to have like their own like theories and like what what shit's going down because I kind of like because we started talking about like uh, performance enhancing drugs and then it was like when you start looking at what like China and and Russia are are doing and that's like are we going to get to a point where like our bodies are so good and everything's so good that you lose like the struggle like the element of struggle because it's like is that isn't that like some of the drive is like oh for sure yeah how hard this shit is you want to like you need resistance you, you need to go home be like annoyed that you couldn't you know someone beat you or whatever like you go home and you think about it and you adapt and learn I think that's a healthy process yeah uh, I say annoyed like not like not, no, but the, there is not like to the point a, that it affects your you know mm. mood and as in like affects your relationships and so on but yeah. like where you go I'm like man I gotta like I gotta fix this this problem I think that's like part of our our drive what, as humans like, you, you want like a problem it. and then you gotta yeah. try and solve it um, and yeah if if you came to class and like yeah, I, I think if I went to jiu-jitsu and I was like well, I'm just gonna arm drag and first time works, works I get the yeah. joke Okay, cool. Next person, same thing. Like, yeah. how quick, I'd get so bored. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Yeah. For like a day. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But like, if that was actually what was happening, you'd get bored of it pretty quick. Yeah, you'd, it's like that. It's like you need that resistance. And I think that that's what, I mean, so much sport or like any of these kind of pursuits that people like, that kind of like engulf people and then they kind of create a lifestyle around an activity it's because of like the resistance that it provides because i think that that's where meaning comes from yeah in a way is like uh that you're getting resistance well like because we spoke about the other day when i was like so what's talent like what in in jiu-jitsu like because i think that basketball talent it's very obvious like yeah you need to be super tall you need to be super athletic and then you need to be able to get the ball in the basket yeah like rugby it's like you either tackle really well or you pass really like it's but I think with jiu-jitsu it's like and I I guess it's pretty clear to see when a guy's good at like a purple belt level or blue belt level but it's like when you get that white belt that walks in it's like how do you kind of identify 
talent in in a way and i was sort of thinking about that after we spoke and it made me think about why i've gotten into this so much because it's only been five months and i'm just like fully in and i think that what's happened is i've done a lot of sports i've played a lot of things but i don't think i've ever got out the exact amount that i've put in yeah yeah jiu-jitsu is very good for that and like yeah like, yeah um, and i hadn't thought about it until we spoke yeah because i felt like with motocross like i put so much effort into that but the gains were so incremental like it, it just feels like once you hit a ceiling yeah that that's a mix of your uh, mental whatever's going on yeah. with the way that your brain processes yeah. the information of what you'd call like speed like how fast you think you're going and then the physicality of it uh like genetically how good you are at being yeah. able to you know maintain shit for 30 minutes like uh, it feels like i hit my ceiling and then i was putting in like 80 percent or 100 percent effort to get like two percent gain yeah but with jiu-jitsu i feel like i put in 100 percent and i get 100 percent back out I, and it it's like is that why i like it so much i think so i think like well it's a, it's a massive part of the appeal mm. like if you took basketball for example like i'm pretty short like Mm-hmm. I could play basketball for five years. I did play basketball for ages when I was a kid. Why? Like, why do short people <laughs> always play I basketball? <laughs> I bet like, you Brian plays basketball too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd play basketball, and then like you'd get a guy who's never played it before, but comes in, he's six foot two, or yeah, whatever, and dunking like, on you. Yeah, yeah, can't get part. I'm like, all right, that's no good. Whereas like, if the same time was spent in two, mm. I can't think of a you know obviously like weight and size and strength matter but if you've been training jiu-jitsu for two or three years like you'll beat any new person mm. pretty convincingly um obviously you know give them six months 12 months of training you know and they're big and strong and so on it does make it more difficult but yeah like you know you look at the belt the belt's a pretty good example of that mm. basically a measure of how long they've been somewhat of a measure of how long they've been training but you see a purple belt you're like okay it's going to be rough. It's yeah. going to be hard to get, like, you can't yeah. really grab a white belt and say, okay, I'm going to teach you in two months how to beat a purple belt. It's just, it's, yeah. it's not, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think that that definitely, that thought to me was like, okay, maybe that is why I like this so much yeah. is because there is a very equal, it, it, and that to me is like rewarding and it justifies you showing back up yeah. in a way. Whereas yeah. I think that, and I think that, there's people that won't find that with jiu-jitsu. They won't find that they get a hundred percent return on the hundred percent effort that they put in. And then I think that they'll find they'll there'll be people that find that they that like if you say basketball, like if they put a hundred percent into basketball, they will get a hundred percent return. But for yourself, so it's like I guess that's just a concept that I yeah. thought about after Wid spoke to where it's like maybe yeah, the the real the real gold is found when you kind of find something where what you get out kind of matches what you put in because it, it is yeah. skewed even though it's you know regard like no matter how much you want to be a basketball player like that number could be skewed based yeah. on factors out of your control yeah yeah i mean they, they, that still exists in jiu-jitsu just not to the same mm. degree but yeah 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 i can't think of any sports that are as much like that as jiu-jitsu but so, i don't play any other sports yeah true did you play much other stuff growing up like did you get because i think the competitive 
jujitsu is definitely not like a comfortable thing yeah. to where it's like if you play one-on-one down the street with your mates it's like it's not the same thing or if like yeah. oh, i'm real good at handball i'll probably yeah. be good at jujitsu like did you have a competition background or it just become um, a thing that i definitely played like i played football australian rules football um basketball tennis cricket so you were anyway, super athletic as a kid i don't know i was athletic but i was involved yeah. <laughs> in sports <laughs> <laughs> um i probably what was i I wasn't that good at cricket. I was all right at tennis. Yeah. Not like amazingly good, but okay. Australian rules football. I think I was. Yeah. I'm going to blame it on being too short. It's not for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah. Basketball. But then, like, so when you did start competing with Jiu Jitsu, was it like instantly a thing that you were. Yeah, yeah. I think I, like, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say, like, as I said, I wouldn't say I was like. I've seen people who learn it a lot quicker than, than mm. I do. Some people just watch and they can do it immediately. I was probably above average in terms of that, but not um, extremely exceptional. Mm. Um, but I think like my mindset like was always pretty good in that like it just 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 that I believe I was like yeah like if you do the technique right it works. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't even get that. Yeah. Often, often they start they're like I just want to win, you know? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, like to win, thing. just do this really well. Yeah. At least at first, then there's a lot on, on top of that that is required as well. But, yeah. Well, I think, like, that was, I guess, like, I, I've explained it to my friends before is, like, it doesn't matter the level. Like, an armbar is an armbar. Like, if yeah. I get you to position 10 of 10 in an armbar, position 10 of 10 in an armbar is you tapping. Yeah. Position seven eight nine might be like super hard for me to get for like yeah. six years on you yeah yeah but if you follow those steps there's there's at no point unless you're like gordon ryan in that match with craig <laughs> then it's like step 10 didn't work yeah <laughs> but but it's like that that shit does work so i think like you said to have that like i think that whenever i've like oh, I got an armbar on this guy and it's like, didn't work. I was like, okay, well, I fucked up at step seven mm. as opposed to, oh, I got to step 10 and it didn't work. Like it, it, it all works. It's yeah, the way that you get there. Yeah, I think, um, like it's, I think that's a really good way to think for you at the moment because mm. um, that's quite linear as in like, I think it's good to think linear at first, like as in like, I just hit all these points and I get the armbar. Mm. Uh, at a certain point, it's like, uh, like you know, let's say it, 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 the reality is more like, okay, I get to step three of the armbar and they do this. Yeah, I yeah. won't get the armbar if they do that. I have to change my yeah, direction. Okay. You know, yeah, like it's, yeah. it's not an armbar anymore; it's going somewhere else. So, yeah. so recognizing where, like, get really good at the linear thing first, because a lot of people, a lot of people, are like oh, it's not working. Like, yeah, but you're not even doing. You're not even doing step three. All of it, Like, right, you're not doing yeah. the step that is required to get the, the move. And yeah. then after you're doing all that right, you're like, it's not working. because, And you're like, yeah, because you're not meant to do that then. You're yeah. actually meant to... You've got when to that go, happens, you yeah. have to change to something else. So and I guess a, that's where that, that, that system thinking yeah, that's right. comes yeah. in is then it's, like, kind of based on action-reaction. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like... I guess it's more of, like, a fully locked-in triangle with all the X's crossed and the you know the eyes dotted is like it works yeah and like i guess what you were saying before is like i don't think a lot of people even have trust in it 
Yeah, that's right. A lot yeah, of times, yeah. like even Andrew yesterday was like, oh, I just gave up on guillotines because they didn't work. Yeah. And I was like, they work, bro. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, you got to get there. And it, yeah. we're, fuck, we had a laugh about that. <laughs> but it's like, it, it is hard because the ver- like there is an infinite number of variables. And yeah. even like, is it sweaty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how yeah. sweaty is it? Yep. Do you have gee or no gee? Like yeah. there's so many yeah, different sure. kind of ways that... that it can happen. So we got to talk about the uh, Craig Paul Harris match. Yep. Did you tell him to do that? Are you trying to um, are you trying to get rid of him? I can't remember if he even asked me. He might have <laughs> said, "Should I do take this match?" And or no, I can't remember. I was like, "Yeah, why not?" <laughs> he's a scary looking dude. He's looking pretty big. He is looking. Yeah, jacked. he's looking big. Um, yeah, I think Craig will do well. Do you think so? Yeah, I think he'll do really well. He's got some if, he, if he fights how he how he can, yeah, it's always hard to know what Craig's going to show up on the day. But Craig at his uh, at his A, a game, yeah, yeah. A game. So I guess like if you talk about a dude like that, like so he came to you as a purple belt, yeah. Could you see then like this dude's a freak? Like was he a purple belt? Like given a lot of black belts, a lot of problems, or yep. Well, I was a black belt and he's giving me problems, so... Yeah. <laughs> so from, like, day one, you yeah, walked yeah. into the gym. Yeah, I mean, but it was a similar way to me. So when he first came in, I, I, I definitely had the, the edge on him. Um, but I could see... He rolled, like, really soft. Like, he was he was quite flowy. Never mm. Didn't really put any, like, uh, in much intent. He was, he was competing... Like, he, he was winning a lot of comps. He would already, I think he qualified for ADCC around that time as a purple belt he qualified for ADCC um, so he was winning a lot of comps mostly with his triangle um, it was funny was he, he, doing he, was using, he was using Zed guard triangle and at that time I was like yeah Zed guard's not that good <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's funny like Craig's been really good because there's like a lot of things that a lot of things that you learn or like often you get like a, an impression on something like yeah I don't like that move like I don't think it, it's you know, going to work at high level and then like you know, and then you get someone like Craig who makes you mm, uh, reassess that and you're like, okay, well, it does work because you're doing it and it's uh, on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, and then he you know, he obviously continued to develop technically, started to get a real interest in the leg lock game. We both did in the lead up to ADCC and then, and then ongoing um, and got a lot stronger and a lot more intense. Well, it's still probably his biggest weakness I think is just like his like he's actually really good from a lot of different positions and I think his biggest weakness is that he he tends to just go f- not, he tends to play a lot of guard and go for leg locks when mm. his, uh, his whole his whole game, game is, is, good. is amazing and then you saw that against Leandro Lowe like he he beat him by taking his back and choking him yeah um, but that was like a very brief snippet of what he can do <laughs> but then most of his matches are, uh, are like guard and, and leg lock oriented yeah, well, he's trying, to sell, he's trying to sell more DVDs. Yeah, <laughs> there's a there's a crazy video that I've I actually ripped it off YouTube and put it on my phone so I can like watch it yeah, b- yeah. like before I train and shit. There's like ah, oh, it's fuck. I feel like he's in Russia just because like the title of the video is in like Russian or something like that, and it's like Craig Jones sparring, and there's like seven minutes of him rolling in this gym against like I feel like hot like. There's definitely some black belts in there. Like, oh, there yeah, might have been yeah, some, like, yeah. purple belts and brown belts in there as well. But uh, he didn't do one leg lock. No, no, yeah. And yeah, it was yeah. really cool. Uh, like, it's a cool 
thing for me to study because it was like there's this whole kind of game in there but yeah. it is him sort of playing yeah. from that guard which is I guess what I like doing just yeah. because I'm not that good at passing people and shit yet but it's like um, yeah, he does have such a crazy well rounded game but then I guess it's just that whole specialist thing like in the EBI when he ended up losing to Gordon it's like I think he had like what two minutes of mat time before yeah. he got to the final and everyone's just like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? But yeah, I guess... Was, yeah, he was I, on fire there. I guess that goes to... I guess that speaks to that whole, like, that Eddie Cummings approach of, like, just having that kind of raise. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. I don't think Craig is a special... I think he's really well-rounded. Just he's in competition, he... Well, I guess it's, like, part of the like, least resistance, I mean, that's, right? Yeah, that's where he feels the most comfortable. Mm. But, yeah. Be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think in the next two years... Gordon's done it. Gordon, you know, everyone thought he was a leg lock guy and then went to ADCC and he was passing, mounting, and then it's like, man, where do we, how do you, you know, when he's a leg lock guy, he's, when he's just a leg lock guy, he's dangerous. Dangerous, but, but, now, but like yeah. you can see it coming, you can defend, but when you're like, well, do I give him my legs or do I give him the pass? That, that's when you, I think it's, um, that's, that's the best. Yeah, well, yeah. I think that you saw you haven't watched the Nicky Ryan, Nicky Ryan's latest one yet, have you? Nah, because I was competing just. Oh, you you thought the same? Yeah, 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 actually, yeah. I forgot about that. Well, like with him, it looked like, like what was his name? The English MMA dude, Dan, someone Phil, or Phil, Phil Harris? Yeah, that. Yeah, I think you're right yeah. there. Yeah, he. It's like you could tell he was so worried about the leg entry yeah. stuff that he just jumped straight into his guard yeah and then here comes this like crazy armbar triangle sort of setup and then he gets tapped while he was in yeah his guard so i think that i guess it's just like this evolution now where it was like like you were saying it's like that arms race to where it's like you are so worried about these leg locks and then everyone's like getting better at defending them or they're just trying to completely stay away from them but now they're open to Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like uh, more, you know, it's like that pendulum kind of Craig, effect. Craig's been doing this on me, and I, and I'm trying to work my own versions of it. But I, I'm trying to now, you know, like my it, my strategy generally, like if you know, because there's positions in leg locks where like I've got my good position, then you're attacking. Yeah, so I'm attacking and you're defending. So you, you know. Uh, m- and therefore, like, I should be, you know, you should be trying to get out yeah. of the position as opposed to trying to counterattack because it's more dangerous. dangerous. You basically just try to free yourself from the position. But I'm trying to, actually trying to work, like, with every technique, there's little openings, you know? There's, like, a point where it'll work. And there's, a like, point a where timing where there's yeah, a there's sketchiness a to there. it. And I'm trying to work a lot of, like, back takes off the, the leg locks. Like, so when someone goes for their position, I can because mm. the best the best moves well not all the not the best moves but it's really nice if you have someone thinking they're doing the right thing but they're actually S- falling into your trap into, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like uh, so I'm I'm working on that with you know I'm still working some different angles some things from there I'm feeling really confident with some I need to like work more but that, I think they're the the best when you when you have someone doing all the work for you thinking they're doing the right technique um, that, that's good but then that's the evolution then you know, if there is, you know, if the if it does turn out that the back take is a better thing 
than the leg lock, like as in more high percentage than the leg lock, then the leg that's lockers then have go. to change the, yeah. the approach. Mm. It, but that's the arms race. Yeah, yeah. And how much like, how much time are you spending not thinking about jiu-jitsu these days? <laughs> uh, no, I still do. I don't think about it all the time. Because um, it'd be hard you, to have that balance, to, right? Because you've got like, so many roles, man. Yeah, I used to, um, I probably, I think I used to like, that's alright. Yeah, we're good. We're Sorry, good. Yeah. yeah, I used to really like study other people's games, and I still think that's a really good thing to do. Like, I mean, and I still do it occasionally. Like the body lock passing, I've been watching some footage of the meows and, and so on. To um, yeah, that's that's really killed me a couple times, this week. <laughs> namely with Rowan. Yeah. Um, uh, so like I think it's good to study because you get to see you know we're talking about an arms race but if you just look at your, what you're, you're doing yourself then you're going to miss the mm. general trends and certain people are doing certain things that are really effective so uh, like you got to look at other people and then see like what are they doing to make that work and try and work that out but also something I want to do more of uh, again speaking to Tom um, is um, you know video my own even just my own roles or whatever um, and then like you know go back watch it anything that wasn't right then mm. I come back in and I, and I fix that because I think there's things that that it, like, obviously there's always things that you, you miss and you just like oh yeah you know, but to actually make sure you, you fix that mistake mm. it's obviously quite time consuming to do that but yeah you know, that's what I was gonna say like you've got so many roles yeah within like the gym of people that are kind of have these expectations of you as their coach. You've got guys that you want to focus on and at that high level competition, you've got your own competition managing relationships and then you've, yeah. you know, physio. So it's like, it's definitely not a, run a hotel. Um, run a hotel. <laughs> You're a mogul. <laughs> Deal with Simon. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely gotta be hard to, I guess strike up a balance between it all yeah it is um, yeah I think like yeah it's like one of those things I could be a better I think I could be a better I could be a better coach if I wasn't a competitor I could mm. be a better competitor if I wasn't yeah. a coach but here I am trying to do both so just yeah. I, I guess there's like there's probably a legacy that's going to be created really like it's so hard to be like introspective in the moment into yeah. like because it's all happening right now like this is the thick of it this is probably the busiest you've ever been in your life but I mean it's like you you might not ever get to be like the greatest competitor of all time yeah with the way that you're uh, giving so much time to other people because yeah. I think that you definitely have to be selfish I definitely, to be that, an well, athlete yeah I mean that's what I, uh, but, I, I am a little bit selfish in some regards um, which means I, I, like I could be a better coach if I wasn't as mm. selfish but then I, as a, you know, at the same time I could be a better better competitor but that's what, yeah. I'm, that's what I think though is like for someone that's giving like you, you're giving up on both like you're giving up a piece on both sides to have that middle ground but in that middle ground is there the chance of like a really creating something special that, yeah, for that sure. can last longer than yourself 
yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, so yeah. it's like, I think like that almost is more rare than being a good coach or a or a good um, competitor in a way. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I think once my competitive career drops off, I'll probably will. Obviously, I'll, I'll focus more on the coaching. But I, I you know, I'd like to. Yeah, that's something I really want to work towards getting a like, um, you know, some sort of uh, high-level team, sort of competitor team mm. thing, with, and, and and allocating as much of my resources we can to that to that team and their development, um, which would be like taking on more of a coaching role, like the yeah. as in like videoing videoing our classes, like for that group, and and actually like. Yeah, each class it's like okay cause yeah, like the, yeah. that's let's, like mainstay come in let's, yeah. let's let's have a look your last role this happened this happened this happened we're fixing that today yeah you grab you know you're working with you're working together let's go yeah um, so that sort of stuff would be would be good cause that's like if you look at the NFL like that's the NFL yeah that's right yeah. you know there's well, all I mean Jiu should like that's yeah I think that it's that's, starting to move in yeah, that direction right, right I think that's you look at like um, I think you look at a lot of sports and you know like um, I don't know what's what's Australia good at swimming yeah <laughs> for example but like we've got such a small population but we're dominating yeah swimming, the world and that's probably just like the fact that people are actually really sitting down and managing yeah. athletes saying what do you need to do to Mm. be the best swimmer whereas uh, and then now we're not or at least we're, we're dropping off because other countries sort of realised oh like, yeah. you just have to do well, you just it's have like, to do it this way and you'll yeah um, you know, and I think the same will happen with Jiu Jitsu right now I think one of the few teams that's doing that is the Danaher do you even like calling them the Danaher death squad or I does it feel corny I don't know that's what they're <laughs> um, uh, but that's just in Nogi and and but I, you know, like that said, like you know, as a team, like you got to look at guys, you know, teams like Alliance and and so on. And I've trained there, so Alliance is like, oh, well, actually, they usually win the the world championship team, team trophy. Event. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they're like got a lot of gyms spread out, yeah, everywhere. But I've trained at their like, um, I've trained at their headquarters, and it's a little bit more like, um, a little bit more like just like there's so many good guys on the mat that the best guy will mm. come out and be the best guy. But yep. there's not so much like. You know, like they got guys. They're not like you know taking grooming, the top ten athletes people, yeah. and saying like, okay, what can we do to you know? It's it's a little more individual. But I think it's going to move towards a, mm. that like mentoring, sort of overseeing the their training more. I think. But yeah, well, it it makes sense because I guess it's just the the time that you live in. Like everyone can film, you know, yeah. their roles. Like there's. And even though jiu-jitsu is like a small sport, like you can see it growing. You can see that there's becoming like more of an industry around it. And I think that, I just think that society in general is moving more towards a place of like, because like we don't need mainstream media anymore. Like you don't need to be told what to like. You can like your own thing and then find people all over the world that like that same thing as opposed to like, Oh well, the AFL's on this weekend. <laughs> Geelong's playing Collingwood. Like that's all your that's yeah. that's your option. Yeah. So I think that you know, with that, it's like you you're just gonna start seeing the level and like the growth of of everything just really start to because it's like 
the NFL, like if you use that example, like that's the biggest sport, there's the most money in it. It's all revenue. Like the more money that you have, the more you're able to like put into like R&D really. Yeah. Like that's all, that's what you would be trying to do with like a competition team is like R&D, yeah. like rolling and development. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you, the reason that those sports got to be so good is because they were the mainstream, they'll make the most money and then you get money to put into R&D. Yeah. And it's, I feel like jujitsu is just now getting to that level where there's like enough money for R&D to happen. Yeah. Dudes yeah. are able to, uh, you know, make enough money to do it full time. Yeah. Then you've got the internet, then you've got yeah. all these seminars and stuff like that. So it's, it seems like yeah. that's the, the progression of it all. It's interesting. Like, you know, obviously when I started, like, the idea of winning money in jiu-jitsu was just like was it that crazy to you yeah 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 Yeah, and then like yeah i remember like like i was talking about the abu dhabi trials like i thought that was the that was the best thing ever like you could win they they pay for your flights to like compete (laughs) at the abu dhabi world pro like i still think it's pretty cool actually like because they wouldn't make money off the amount of people they get spent to to fly yeah. yeah yeah like um they wouldn't be making a profit Mm. from from that but i suppose that's they're, they're looking long term you know mm. they got the they're investing in it now to build the name the what do you th- world pro and then yeah. what do you think it would take because i think like jiu-jitsu is a tough one in that you see two dudes with their fucking legs tangled together yeah <laughs> and oh, they're both like yeah. fighting to grab each other's feet it doesn't look as gnarly as it is in terms yep. of like the consequences of a of a really crazy heel hooker like as bad as like yeah. probably worse than, or on par with like any injury in like a contact sport yeah but it just doesn't come across so it's like do you think that that also like we also need to figure out a way to like show the sport for what it is but f- so that people can look at it for fresh eyes because like you think about the UFC like why is the UFC so popular well, it's just easy. Two dudes walk in. Yeah. One dude wins. They fight in a cage. They can't run anywhere. Yeah. They can knee. They can kick. They can... The only things... It's like... There's there's like three things you can't do. And yeah. it's like, yeah, do everything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, think, it's yeah. E- it's, so it's easier for people to follow along. So it's like... I could see... Because like, jiu-jitsu is cool as fuck in yeah. terms of what's actually going on. Yeah. But it's like, how can we get that message across to people? Is there a I don't, way? I don't, know, I don't know if you can. I, I just don't think you can. But you didn't think you could win prize money either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I just don't think you could. I just don't think it's a spectator sport, like, for mm. someone who doesn't train. Doesn't know. Yeah, I think, like, you look at it, you're like, okay. The a bunch you, of people rolling around. Because the, the beauty of it's, like, the complexity and the... The details. You know, yeah, the details. And if you don't know what that is, I, I think, like, I think as it grows, as it grows as a sport, you'll see it continue to be more popular it's possible like it's already happening in Abu Dhabi for example like in school they learn jiu-jitsu really yeah, yeah. every kid no shit yeah did not know that there you go so how long like, has that been going on a while really yeah yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll have a pretty so all those kids are straight killers so, yeah <laughs> um, but it's pretty funny actually listening to some of the people that coach there because they're saying like a lot of the 90% of the kids don't want to do it like they treat it like you know, like like yeah, doing like, like a, yeah, you know, like volleyball or yeah, something. Yeah, that's oh, right. volleyball. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at least then, like, maybe if that was happening, like where everyone in if everyone in school was doing jujitsu, then like you'd get like a bit more like 
um, superstars that are well known to the general public because mm. you could then watch it and be like, oh, I don't like doing jujitsu, but I can appreciate that technique that they're doing. Mm. You know? I think you're like, I think there's definitely more closet jujitsu fans or not like closet jujitsu, but people that don't do it, but enjoy watching it now I've more heard, than ever like because of the UFC few, I've heard of a few people that said they watch EBI but don't train and I was like yeah I, I honestly think it's like it's sort of starting to happen but I guess it just comes down to the fact like it's so it's so accessible as a fan through the internet like the guys at Flow do an amazing job like mm. EBI obviously is or like a bunch of them are on Fight Pass which that's been like the best thing I did I think for my jiu-jitsu is get Fight Pass and start like watching, watching actual yeah, yeah. like real fights like even though oh it's really good for it yeah yeah even though the level's so different is Stewie here or no I'm just gonna check cause he said 2.30 it's now 3 isn't it oh yeah. shit sorry fans listen on iTunes <laughs> sorry. We, got, we got shit going on we're busy up in Thailand at, do a private at 4 so yeah that's cool we can wrap it up soon um what were we saying uh <laughs> help, help me out here Lottie. Yeah. help me out um, we were saying oh, we're trying to get people oh, to I was saying I just bought Fight Pass and oh, like yeah, how yeah, good yeah, that yeah. is for, yeah, cause yeah like, that's, I mean studying footage is really good it's really like to just watch just watching the guys and seeing how they move and going I don't know like even, think, even if you don't understand what they're doing if you just look at the posture they're in it's mm-hmm. like Okay, that's Delahiva guard, and the guy's doing that posture. Interesting. Like yeah. maybe I'll try that and 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 see how that feels. Because like it's um yeah, you, you can learn a lot from from watching footage. I think too that so like I had that the Kimura grip from half guard slash Z guard, and then if I couldn't get the Kimura from there, then I was like that was a roadblock, and then yeah. I'd let go and I'd go back, and then I'd start it again. And then Nick showed me some other options, and then it's yeah. like, oh, that roadblock's gone now. Yeah. So I think that, I think that a big part of like learning jujitsu as well is like not just learning techniques, but like learning possibilities. If that makes sense. Like, sorry, what do you say? Yeah, by the pool. Well, we are at the pool, and we and see no sign of this big, big man. Let me just check where. Yeah, that's all good. I can edit this bit out. Make sure he was coming. Yeah, he said he was coming to the. Sorry. <laughs> no, nah, it's all good. I can um, I can edit this bit. No, this is the this is the this is me at my finest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? What's uh? Is he like? So he said he's an alphabeto. I think so. He said he's. Stuart. Oh, the big dog. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been there? Oh, it's been minutes. Oh, shit. Sorry. Yeah, I was like... Oh, we're, yeah, right. Um, we probably should yeah, we, wrap. Yeah, yeah, we can... Yeah, yeah, they yeah, yeah. Grab, grab coffee, mate. They got, they got everything here. Righto. Guess we'll lock it up. You're busy. Yeah, yeah. You're busy, man. <laughs> <I think laughs> Sorry. We'll do this again at some point, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, look, 
finished by saying I've had just the best time. Like it's been so good. Jiu-jitsu aside, like the people, like yourself, live like fuck. It's been, it's been amazing. Thanks so much for coming. I'm that, glad you glad you came along. It was, uh, yeah. And thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, definitely get you get you on it at some point again. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe in uh, Melbourne. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think I feel like I have to come and train down there with you guys and yeah. I don't That'd know, be cool. maybe do a comp or something down there. That sounds really good. Sick. All right. Thanks, Thanks Jace. Cheers. This episode is brought to you in part by Purina. Purina is dedicated to creating richer lives for pets and the people who love them. From helping older pets think like their younger selves to making cat ownership a possibility for more people than ever. Purina is helping pets thrive so they can live long, healthy, and happy lives. Purina has you covered for all your furry friends' needs, whether they meow or bark. From litter to treats to their best-in-class, nutrient-packed food with taste your pets will love. Purina's got your back at every stage of your pet's life. Your pet gives you the joy of the spring sunshine all year round. So today and every day, care for your pet with Purina. Your pet is Purina's passion. To learn more, head to Amazon.com backslash Purina.